Hey guys, it's Michael with CatholicExchange.com here today. Today's guest is one of my all-time favorites, Timothy Schmaltz, who's a artist and sculptor. We've had him on the podcast a couple times to talk about his famous statues, Homeless Jesus, as well as his many monuments to refugees, to victims of homelessness, and a beautiful, beautiful work to express all those things. Today we're talking about his current project, which is a Dante sculpture of all 100 cantos of the Divine Comedy, quite possibly the greatest poem ever written. And this is going to premiere for the 700th anniversary of Dante's death in Florence. So we're really excited to have this here. Dante's a favorite poet of mine. As you're going to hear in this interview, though, it's a little unusual for how I conduct interviews. I'll be popping in as Editor Michael to fill you guys in on a few things with that let's start at the interview kind of we just started talking here let's start now how are you doing good how are you oh i am so excited <laughs> i am too i have to say that what's really cool is my 11 year old daughter knows who dante oh. is that's an accomplishment oh. because of me that's awesome. I was going to ask, oh, if it was yeah. because of something you did or she knew beforehand. Uh, I've been I've been talking, living, breathing, sculpting Dante uh, essentially throughout this whole pandemic. Uh, and uh, it's it's so exciting to have uh, this 700th anniversary. It, it's mm -hmm. to me, it's like um, um, this is a big moment. And I think about I, I think about the, the 600th anniversary. And in the United States, in Manhattan, they created the Dante Park. Yeah. Um, and that was, I, I went, to, when I first uh, uh, went on this uh, Dante uh, artistic journey, I went to the park in Manhattan. And there, there was a beautiful sculpture of Dante, a full-figured sculpture of Dante. Um, <clears throat> a nice little parkette, right? Uh, right near Amsterdam, Amsterdam Avenue. And... Um, but I did a test. I knew what, what the result would be, but I did it just to kind of um, humor myself. All the people passing by these busy streets in New York, right beside the park, I would point to uh, the beautiful bronze sculpture up on this massive uh, uh, granite plinth. And I said, excuse me, do you know who that is? No. Do you know who that is? <laughs> no. And it's going on their way. And I thought, ah, that's the problem. That's the problem of uh, a lot of representations of Dante in our world today, because our world today um, is, again, moving you know, uh, further away from Dante. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I do believe, unfortunately, further away uh, from that uh, beautiful gift that was given to the world. And so I think really to, to, to make people aware uh of dante uh you need to put a lot of muscle behind it nowadays you need to you need to really uh you can't be lazy and <laughs> you have to you have to really work hard as i did with with this project and uh so what i decided to do was uh uh to kind of go with the spirit of dante who wrote it who wrote the divine comedy in the vulgar mm -hmm. i presume so it would become in his day universal um, but I think nowadays, um, the, the real universal language is, is the visual. It is, it is your mm. eyes. Uh, 
And so my challenge was to take each canto and visually translate it. So I would keep the excitement of the viewer, but also not patronize those, the sea of academics and people that really know Dante. So I'm walking this, this mm -hmm. line of making it uh, exciting, like a Dante video game, but also keeping it very, very authentic and, uh, and in a sense, uh, educational, yeah. right? I made one when I first started. I said I'm not going to put any footnotes on this. I actually carved a couple footnotes in the sculpture, and then I actually uh, grinded them down because that's another problem with Dante is that a lot of people are totally intimidated by him, um, and, and I, I think it's it's kind of um, uh, ironic that you have so many people that want to bring attention to Dante, but some of their love becomes almost a wall between Dante and the common farmer in the Italian mm -hmm. field, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I, I, so so these are some of the considerations I had uh, working on the piece. Um, but go ahead, you you had several interesting questions I read before. Oh yeah, um, no worries. So. I was just I enjoy this. I don't talk about it too often. I actually did my master's partially. <laughs> and as you can kind of tell from listening to this podcast, about here, five minutes into our interview oh. is when we actually start the interview. Mr. Schmaltz has a lot of excitement to share about Dante, and yeah. I share that excitement with him. So here's the rest of the interview. I'll be up with you guys at the end. Oh, thank you. It, and and I, I think that... Um... The challenge, and, and you know, it's interesting because early on in uh, or midway through the project, I realized that um, there are real, uh, quite a few blind spots for Dante um, represent, represented in artwork. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, um, one uh, uh, professor mentioned to me that never before has every canto been represented in artwork or sculpture. And I thought this can't be true 700 right. years. And uh, then I realized that Botticelli's work, they were just preliminary sketches. In fact, some of them are not even half done. Uh, and so it, I, I became really uh, sensitive to the, to the uh, uh, notion that this has never been done before in 700 years. But then three quarters of the way done, I came up with this epiphany and I understood why. It's because it's so much work. Right. <laughs> but, it but it was absolutely fun. I'm just kidding. I, I enjoyed every single canto. And, and again, it was, it was unlocking the text um, to what I hope would be a broader audience. Um, an audience that has never even read the, the Inferno. Um, that they would come into this space yeah. and, uh, and uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I'd like to think that after going to the Dante Gardens, they'll go out and buy a, the, a copy of the Divine Comedy. But I'm probably sure that that's not going to happen with most of the people. So this is the only kick at the can their soul is going to get to experience Dante, right? And who's that? Who's that? I think it was a, a poet or a philosopher that said, if you... Um, 
if you buy someone uh, a book, you also feel that you bought them the time to read it, right? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> but, um, and that's just the case with our fast moving mm -hmm. society, with the inundation of everything, whether it be uh, all the different perspectives on news, all the different perspectives on history, it's all a, a little bit overwhelming. Um, but this is, in a sense, creating a, a visual oasis. Uh, and uh, a new experience for those veterans of Dante. Uh, oftentimes they read Dante in a parlor, living room, or in a library, but they don't usually go outside and uh, actually have an experience that goes sequentially from midway through life, I found myself in the mm -hmm. dark forest to, to the paradise. So it kind of, it kind of gives uh, an experience that's intertwined with nature. I think that the whole idea of the divine comedy, it is a passageway. Yeah. Um, most people do that with their fingers, but this is a passageway that people can actually physically move to one to another. If you're Catholic, it's kind of like the stations of the cross of Dante, yeah. right? Where you can actually come across and move as you're, as you're uh, experiencing the project. Absolutely. And you touched on it that there's not really been an undertaking to do all 100 cantos of the divine comedy uh gustav door did quite a few but even he didn't complete them so yeah but yeah. Uh, otherwise yeah. he's inspired a lot of artists uh, this probably will tie into your work why do you think we keep coming back to dante after 700 years he gives hands and feet to god in a way that is in a sense so poetic mm -hmm. um i think everyone everyone uh can kind of relate to I, I'm just the, the, how how it how it's uh, oh it's how it's crafted is in such a way I love the the comments like you're not gonna believe what just happened now and it's like there is that suspense <laughs> and that that astonishment with him actually uh, uh, telling the story and it and it's such an epic story like mm -hmm. like what what I what I'm fascinated with with Dante is how the hell did he ever come up with such a huge epic idea <sighs> in the first place? You know, it's so, uh, so phenomenal that he had the courage to think, to be, to be so, so courageous and so sure that he could actually put himself not only the, at the first person, but actually describe heaven purgatory and hell I, I just think that the mind his mind to, to bring this out to to the world um he has to be arrogant he has to be completely confident in himself and what i find that's that's very interesting because i did most of this during the pandemic i had to cancel all my yeah. trips and uh, and here I was listening to the news in Italy about how Italy has been shut down while I'm actually sculpting the Divine Comedy. And I couldn't help but see the connection between Dante writing the Divine Comedy yeah. and, and his life where he was in exile. And one of the things that I thought about was, and this is very fascinating, I think obviously I think many people thought about it before, but if he wasn't in exile, he never would have written the Divine Comedy. I'm pretty sure of it. I'm pretty sure that that is part of a very important part of, of the Divine Comedy, how that kind of 
horrible experience created such beauty. And I, I think that's, that's, that's very interesting. That's, that's what I'm thinking as I'm sculpting during a pandemic. I'm thinking that beautiful things, and it's like Pope Francis said, he said that during this pandemic, you can either come out of it a worse person or a better person. And I think that's basically what, what the Divine Comedy uh, shows in a way uh, of the human spirit. Not only that, that, that he had the audacity to actually describe heaven, purgatory, and hell, but the human will and the spirit. And, and, and I think that the fascinating thing is when you read, when, when, I think when people read the Divine Comedy, it gives them hope. And it is, a, a, of course, it is a comedy. Yes. It gives them hope and it gives them a, a wonderful feeling. Even when you're in hell, even when you're in hell, there is so much structure in hell that in modern times, or and I think throughout the centuries, people have leaned on that because life is chaotic. Mm -hmm. Life is, is, uh, easy to to feel a nihilistic experience and then here you have dante who just has it all ge geometrically lined out and there is order order mm -hmm. order and i think that human nature loves that and when they see dante representing uh this structure it's like oh good thank god <laughs> you know his his experience his interpretation of heaven purgatory and hell it's as good as anyone's and look at that structure and uh and and look at that uh uh, uh order to the universe mm -hmm. and i think that every every generation i think this generation would benefit a lot from having that structure right and uh and 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 thinking in in, in uh in respects to to dante's world really oh absolutely I think uh, yeah. just speaking of that order that Dante shows, you know, and the love that moves the stars and all that, I loved your depictions in Paradiso where uh, Thomas Aquinas is explaining the life of St. Francis. But in those other can later cantos, there's that wonderful order Dante just keeps coming back to that the universe is ordered. There's something behind it. And indeed, like that phrase I said, the love that moves the stars is actually at it. Yeah, the the per, like one of the things that I I, I I'm I'm the, the the perfect person I feel to sculpt the divine comedy because like everyone else, yeah, purgatory I kind <laughs> of you know whisked by it pretty quickly as well as infernal in previous mm -hmm. uh, in my life when I when I would be approaching the divine comedy I would be you know you know intensely in the hell but then when I got the purgatory and then when I got the paradise. Uh, your preconceived condition is this is boring, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I think, yeah, Tim, you wouldn't want a you wouldn't want a better person uh, to do this because you're coming in with that baggage, you're coming in with that 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 preconceived idea, but really study it, really get in there. And one of the things that that I found that was fascinating about uh, um, uh, other representations of of the Divine Comedy. And so let me first of all tell you my structure. Every morning between four o'clock and nine o'clock in the morning, I would actually be sculpting Dante. Mm. Four o'clock till nine every morning. And then I would do my other projects, my other commissions during the day. And uh, then what I would do is in the evening, I would look at different texts. Oh, tons of them, right? Um, and uh, then I would also then take time to say, okay, 
Canto uh, 15 of uh, Purgatory. Let's Google it and let's do research and think out to the internet. I can, I can bring up everything, whereas I would have to be in resource centers and sure. libraries forever to get access to this. But, but instantly, I would be able to find out every other artist, how they represented uh, these, these different cantos. Sure, in, in Inferno, you have tons mm -hmm. of different artists representing it. Um, but it gets thinner and thinner and thinner when you get to Purgatory and, and Paradise. One problem that I saw, and I was very much aware of it, was even Gustav Dory, which I love. Um, they took they took it as if, and you know, Gustav Dory. I think he's he's doing that in uh, in eighteen seventy or so. Um, this is really before photography made a, a big shift in our culture. And after a while, you begin to think that some of the old artists that have created representations of the Divine Comedy are as if they had a Polaroid camera and they took a shot at what they saw. And I, I think that was that was very natural in, in uh, those periods of artwork is to do simply a pictorial representation. However, and that's perhaps one of the reasons why most people didn't finish the Divine Comedy artistically, because it gets pretty redundant having Virgil and Dante's faces talking. And, and then you have Beatrice and Dante talking right <laughs> and i thought i thought early on in a project i thought this is gonna bore the people if i just have them talking about ideas i have to actually sculpt their ideas and so then i found that the imagery is just absolutely stunning and and to take the conversations and to bring them to life Dante doesn't, it's, it, this project is not concerned about Dante's nose. It's concerned about his gift that he gave everyone. And so I don't need, I, I realize I don't need necessarily need to do pictorials as if I had a camera and I was there in purgatory. I need to sculpt what uh, they're talking about. I need to get dig deeper into, into and give representation to the conversation, right? And then so also you'd have in, um, in, uh, uh, paradise you also have the problem that you see in Botticelli where there's just spheres and mm -hmm. spheres and spheres and I want to sustain people's interest right and so I had I had to go into uh, different visuals to bring out the interest in it because I don't necessarily want uh, a replication even though some of the cantos have this a, a very similar theme I got to make it visually interesting to keep people interested in, in the divine comedy, but it was relatively easy to do. And it became really, really exciting. And my, my favorite parts are not the inferno. Sure. My favorite parts are, are purgatory and, and paradise, which unfortunately most people close the book. Right. 90% of the people close the book at the um, inferno, which, which, you know, it's true. I was talking to uh, one person at a, a university in, in America and they said, well, you know, when we went to school, we'd only study the Inferno. <laughs> that would be it. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, right? They so only get a third the of the story. Gardens, yeah, exactly. My Dante Gardens, um, there's going to be a, a pathway, and you're going to experience Canto One of the Inferno with Dante actually holding it, a portrait of Dante holding it. And it's going to go to Canto One to all the way up to uh, Canto 34, and then it'll start with, with uh, Purgatory. And uh, there's going to be a beautiful cobblestone path. And it's going to have 
arrows saying one way you cannot go back because my fear is that people are going to go to the end of Kento 34 and Inferno and turn around. No, they won't. And that's the beauty of our yes. work, right? <laughs> well, we just we just experienced Kanto 34. So let's go, kids. <laughs> no, they're going to see the whole part, right? But that's that's a really interesting thing is that you will have that, that visual pathway um, that people will get excited with purgatory uh, and paradise because these are some really cool, awesome yes. scenes, right? Mm. No, they're just reading them uh, one of the things i absolutely adore about dante is the way he can paint a picture with his words and even if that picture isn't quite clear in your head that's something that he leaves an imprint on you yeah it's um yeah the, the language how he uses it is just absolutely unbelievable and uh i think that's one of the one of the reasons why it's endeared so long as well it's just it's 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 so beautiful mm-hmm. It's, uh, I'm going through withdrawal actually after something. <laughs> I think, what do I do now? Sure. Right? Um, but um, yeah, it's it's really um, an amazing experience to to have this. Well, relatively behind me, but right now I'm casting them, so I have to examine every single uh, canto and make sure the bronze pour is absolutely perfect, which takes a lot of time because there's a hundred. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm doing several different sets. For, uh, right now, I'm doing this uh, set for uh, uh, University of Toronto, St. Michael College. St. Michael's College um, has a beautiful uh, area in the center of Toronto, yeah. which they are right now creating the Dante Park. Right? It's it's just stunning. And uh, and there in Toronto, what what I really like is St. Michael's College. It is surrounded by these beautiful stone buildings and they were teaching Dante more than a hundred years ago, 150 years ago in that very space. Um, when, when Toronto was just a small town, they were teaching Dante right there. And to have this Dante gardens, it's just absolutely unbelievable. You have the beautiful stone, I believe it's limestone buildings and the stone fence that opens up to the city. And so people can enter the Dante gardens and they'll see the portrait of Dante, and then they'll be walking in and having this experience open to the public. In Toronto, one of the most multicultural countries in the world, I'm sure that to the people that walk in here, this will be the first introduction to Dante that they will have. And so this is my my one my one shot to get them really excited about uh, Dante. Certainly. To step back a little bit, can you tell us how you first got into Dante? Oh, I've been a sculptor all my life. Uh, when I was 19, I, uh, I became a professional sculptor. Uh, but prior to that, I was in love with sculpture. Uh, when I was 17, my mother, as a gift, and it was one of my most cherished gifts, gave me uh, Rodin's The Thinker. Oh. And uh, I obviously did a little bit of research. I felt it was my favorite possession at the time, this Austin reproduction is about that big, a plaster mm-hmm. cast, um, two feet or so, or actually probably just one and a half feet. Um, but then when one when one falls in love with with uh, Rodin, they'll they'll understand that the thinker is actually originally called the poet, and it was a portrait of Dante mm-hmm. brooding over this bigger project the gates of hell that he created which was inspired by the different scenes in in the inferno and so at, at, at as i was a teenager i fell in love with 
with art and then that brought me to Dante and then uh, and so and so I think that's an experience that a hell of a lot of people have had that they were introduced by Dante through artwork whether it be the last judgment by Michelangelo or or uh, or the uh, Rodin Gates mm -hmm. of Hell but even at that early age like when I was in my early 20s I began to really get angry with uh Rodin why didn't he do the gates of paradise why didn't he do the gates of inferno why is it I mean the gates of uh of purgatory why is it always the mm -hmm. infernal right and um and so I thought and then as I matured as an artist um it's always been part kind of kind of uh, present within within figurative Christian sculpture the imagery he uses and everything like that right so so when I first, I, it, it almost came simultaneous with my love with sculpture, my love with Dante at an early age, yeah. right? And that mm -hmm. makes perfect sense that the visual element would introduce it to you. Uh, but yeah. now to go yeah. back to our earlier conversation, did you get to read the whole, did you try to sit down and read the whole comedy or did you find yourself like most of us stopping at the Inferno at first? Yeah, I, I've read before, I read uh, a couple times the... Um, uh, the whole divine comedy, mm. but um, but it wasn't until this project that I really, really That's got awesome. into it. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and and it was interesting for me. It was a treat because I would obviously work on the project sequentially. I'm going to start at Canto One, and then I'm going to progress and progress and progress. So my artistic experience. Um, uh, would reflect the experience of me understanding the divine comedy in a deep way. So I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't jump to the money shots or the money cantos. Oh, that's a great one. I'll do that one. No, no, no. That would ruin my experience, which could possibly corrupt uh, the the finished product mm -hmm. in a sense. So I, I diligently went from one canto to another. Um, in my studio at the time, I would do, um, I would have six on the go at any given time. So I do Kento one to, to, to six mm -hmm. and I would, and that's what I would do. So during the, during the, the working of the cantos, I would actually have a audio unabridged recording and it would be on repeat oh, as well. Lovely. So I was, I was deep into Dante, right? So, and it's interesting because that, that's fascinating because even if you read it once, you might, it might not penetrate you as much as if you, had uh it on repeat hour upon hour upon hour yeah right? so you're you're getting you're it's becoming more a part of you but i felt that six was a limit to work on at one time um because you can come back to you know uh an earlier canto that you're working on and then uh adjust it um improve on it or change it completely um if you would have 12 or I, I think at one time I had 12 started too much for your head. You can't think about, you can't give them um, um, the time, this, the breathing space they need. If I did one at a time, that's, that's challenging too, because um, you don't have a breather from it. It's your, your face to face with it so much that you're not uh, putting things in perspective. Like if you go from Canto uh 15 to canto 20 and then back to 15 and so there is that that connection with the pieces too they're they in a sense speak to one mm -hmm. another while you're progressing them at the same time 
Um, and I was very conscious about not, not duplicating things. Sure. And um, yeah, if you look at the beginning, uh, I think that the Inferno is relatively easy to get people mm-hmm. to uh, be excited. It is more pictorial, I think, the way it's represented. And then when you get it, and then it becomes more ideas, obviously, when you get into purgatory and, and, uh, and paradise. Um, but yeah, there's subtle things worked within it um, that I think that if you, if you're very familiar with Dante, you'll get it, you'll see it almost like these little subtle symbols in it. Um, but still, um, and I, and I, I approached it to the point where um, every canto is a standalone piece of artwork. And I wanted it to be right. that way. And I, I wanted, I wanted to, you could pull one out and look at it, the design, the composition. I wanted to make it look visually uh, pleasing. Um, and uh kind of not a hundred percent conditional that it's part of the whole set. Right. Which is interesting. Right? Absolutely is. And curious to know, uh, did you find any of those cantos in purgatory or paradise to be particularly challenging? In a sense, when you get into quite a bit of purgatory and, uh, and paradise, it's like, it's, it, it, it can become frustrating because there's so much mm-hmm. in it. Um, that you you can really only take one visual shot from it, and so um, yeah, it was it was I, I cringed in in many respects. I can't I can't uh, refer to one right now. They're just one big blur to me. But at the time, it's like I have to be the the artistic judge on what the visual ambassador to this canto is, mm-hmm. and so. And in a sense, I thought, well, you know what? I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to give people everything of the Divine Comedy. That would be foolish uh, and impossible to 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 present or to to think you're doing. And um, so, <clears throat> worst case scenario is I just said I'm giving a taste of Dante yeah. here, right? I'm, I'm giving a little bit of a taste. And so, the cantos also were in a format that were two feet by one foot approximately. And I wanted to keep them uh, like a big page. Um, and I wanted to keep them consistent. And so there's that intimacy with it. You walk up and it's almost like you're looking at a huge book. And so you keep that relationship with the viewer. And also there's a hundred. So I can't, I can't make the scale any larger or you would need a football field to put them in. So the size is relatively intimate. And so the, the, the play that I had was within, within a consistent shape, a, a consistent size. And, um, and I just had to work with that. And that meant focusing uh, the viewer's attention on just maybe one aspect of, of the divine comedy, right. Or of yeah. that canto. And mm-hmm. As you, this isn't your first rodeo with Dante, but did you find sculpting this and having this project changed your opinion at all about the Divine Comedy? I think what it what it what it really impressed me more just living with the text and like I mentioned, I was on repeat. I must have listened to Dante or read with my ears Dante, perhaps more than any other person today. <laughs> um, but it really, I think what it what I love about it is. Um, I think how relevant it is today and how we can, we can be 700 years from this soul Mm -hmm. Dante and my God, 
we're 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 the same humanity. Oh sense, yeah, right. And and I I think that that is an, another unintended gift of Dante um, was this this hand reaching out from centuries to us today, and we can touch that hand, and it's human and it's warm, and I think that that is is. Uh, a beautiful gift for for humanity in a sense uh, with that connection because it's no longer a connection only with Dante but it's a connection to of, of centuries together and and what a what a gift and, and what a what a what a beautiful uh, um, celebration of humanity in a sense and spirituality right? mm-hmm. and like and, and so contemporary um, the concerns, the questions, uh, the doubts, the fears. Uh, interesting enough, the more centuries we move away from Dante, the more I feel the more relevant and more human uh, the Divine Comedy comes because it, it, it has that extra message now about, about the universality of, of, of mankind that perhaps when he first wrote it wasn't mm-hmm. there. But yeah, so now we're, we, we not only have a, a window into the, the heaven, uh, purgatory and hell, but we have a window into humanity and the centuries of it. And we, we can, we can have that joy, that humor and, and, uh, and we can share that with Dante, who after you're really in, involved in it, after, after you're midway through the, the, the comedy, you really feel you're on a journey with a friend. I'm right there with Spacious, or I, I'm 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 beside uh, uh, Beatrice. You know, it it really is that inclusive, and you feel that that you've developed a friend that's 700 years old. And yeah, I, I think that's that's something that kind of surprised me of of how close I felt to mm-hmm. him during during the the journey. Yeah, that's fair. That was uh, when I finally got to sit down and read the whole Divine Comedy. The things that struck me was how much I loved all the characters, especially Dante and Virgil, uh, but also how much hope there really is. Like you said earlier, even in hell, like where there's a very gate that says abandon hope, there's a great signs of hope because even Jesus left behind rubble when he kept, went into hell to cast it open. Yeah, it's 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 phenomenal. How do you get more people to read Dante? That that's yes. the question. How how do you introduce? How do you introduce? I know there's video games and there's movies, <laughs> The Infernal, uh, and I, I think that's all that's all excellent, and that's all I think that all uh, promotes um, Dante, and um, and uh, I think that that uh, the Dante sculpture park. Um, is something that's permanent too. And I, I love that about mm-hmm. it, that the bronze sculptures are going to be, well, bronze is permanent. It lasts more than a thousand years. And I think about about how um, me in the year 2021 has uh, uh, given uh, new life to to the divine comedy, new art, new expression. And I think that's, that's kind of interesting that, um, that, uh, Still, I think one of one of the, the greatest uh, compliments I can give to Dante is, is not only the 100 cantos being sculpted, but the fact that he's still inspiring creative uh, art today. And uh, I think that's another message that's kind of uh, indirect, but it's there about the, this uh, 700th anniversary.
I think also that that um, that um, like I mentioned this before, like like he wrote in the vulgar, uh, the common Italian language, so people yeah. could could uh, could uh, understand him. Um, I think that artwork has to be legible. It has it has to uh, be for as many people as possible, not only for the initiated. Not only, and and I th I fear that uh, that uh, some artwork, because it's so, uh, so some of the the divine comedy is so mm -hmm. deep that it could lose people's, it could it could lose them, and uh, and so I always wanted to, to kind of have that rope that other people could hold on as as I was walking through this this uh, sculptural journey. Uh, with Dante and uh, yeah I, I think my audience has to be children it has to be um, mm -hmm. uh, people from uh, Asia who perhaps have never never heard of Dante and so I have to I have to have that that rope uh, thick enough that they can hold on to and be pulled along this this artistic journey yeah in many ways it's kind of resembling a pilgrimage sort of like what Dante was trying to show too so I know the 700th anniversary is coming up in September, about a little after, after we release this podcast. Uh, if I read right, are you going to be presenting this in Florence? That's right. That is correct. Yeah. I, I'm actually being a, a little bit uh, deceptive in sculpting 100 cantos. I better correct that right now. I have only sculpted 99 cantos. Ah. The 100th canto. I am doing in Florence on September the 14th on the 700th anniversary oh, day. Wow. I'm actually sculpting it on that day in the Badia Forentia, which is the monastery beside the uh, Dante's museum that is considered his mm -hmm. house. Um, and so if you know the movie, the Inferno, uh, Tom Hanks is in it. It starts out where they're racing up there. They're running around the streets of Florence. It's a chase scene. And they come up to this uh, church and they go up the bell tower and then someone falls off the bell tower. That's the Badia. That's where most people pro have probably seen it at the beginning of, of the movie Inferno. It's one of the, the few medieval towers in, uh, in, in the center of Florence right now. Well, ideally, I'm going to be sculpting the final canto Canto 33 of Paradise at the top of that tower on September the 14th on his 700th anniversary. However, the abbot of, uh, of the monastery that's at the Badia does not want me to do this because he says that uh, uh, no one will see me up there <laughs> sculpting. And I said, I don't care. God will see me. <laughs> And uh, but no, he wants he wants me to uh, sculpt in the chapel. It's a gorgeous chapel, you know, the early Renaissance chapel, right? Um, uh, so people can come in and see. But I'm telling you, I'm gonna in the evening. I'm gonna sneak out <laughs> of the chapel. I'm gonna climb the stairs on the top of the tower, and I'm gonna sculpt up there at the top of the tower um, because Dante's anniversary only comes every hundred years. And the next time I would have an opportunity to do this, I would be 152 years old. I can't do mm -hmm. it then. I'm obviously, this is the time, right? 
No, I mean, Florence is always good to see anytime, but that's a wonderful way to see it from above. Oh, it's, it would be awesome. Yes, I'm looking forward to it. Excellent. So I guess my final question to wrap us up, uh, what do you hope to leave people with when they get through the Dante Gardens, when they get through experiencing all these visual 100 cantos? What's that impression you hope you, they leave with? Well, my background is I, I, I was baptized Catholic and I'm, a, I'm an ardent uh, Christian. Mm-hmm. And um, I do believe, uh, my hope is that uh, people will leave and have a real cool uh, perception of Catholicism and Christianity. And perhaps it will kind of uh, challenge some of their boring stereotypes <laughs> about Christianity um, because the divine comedy is anything but boring. Um, but a lot of, a lot of people are used to thinking of Christianity as Mary had a little lamb and that's about it. <laughs> and um, what I think that this is just like um, it, art was a gateway to me to Dante. I do believe that Dante is a gateway to understand and to deepen one's curiosity for spirituality. Mm -hmm. And so if this, if this project is a success, um, it could be many, a start of many different steps. Hopefully people will take where they will think Dante's cool. And then they will perhaps think what he's talking about is very interesting. And maybe I should investigate what's going on with this. Right. So that, that's, that's a tool that, uh, that I would say is an amazing uh, evangelical tool. It's an amazing uh, open hand to encourage people to look at their own spirituality. Sure. Yeah. And that mm-hmm. is always a great goal. Oh, awesome. I got a lot of great notes here, Tim. So thank you so much. Uh, this was always a great conversation. All right. And that was way, Mr. Timothy Schmaltz, the wonderful sculptor, the artist, sharing his passion and love with Dante with us. Uh, WatchCatholicExchange.com. I'm going to try to have an article to explain this, but check our show notes. You'll see links to Tim's statues, his previous work, our previous interviews. I highly recommend it. If you can follow Timothy Schmaltz on social media, you'll see his artwork everywhere. If you go to Rome, his artwork is at several of the major churches there. He does some fantastic work that I highly recommend. Uh, If you're able to view his artwork in your town, please send me a picture, editor at catholicexchange.com. If you want any other questions answered or if there's other guests you might have interest in, again, editor at catholicexchange.com. I don't always get to respond, but I love hearing from you all. I want to thank you all once again for joining us for this interview. I want to thank Mr. Timothy Schmaltz for his incredible work, but also coming to Catholic Exchange anytime he has something to say. It's a joy each and every time. With that, my name is Michael Litchens with CatholicExchange.com. You've been listening to our podcast. Please subscribe, like, leave a review, and share it with your friends. God love you all. Have a lovely weekend.